Have you guys ever played the desert island game? Like, you know, where if you're stuck on a desert island and you can only have one thus and such, what would you want? So we'll do, uh, you know, if, if you're stuck on a desert island and you can only have one book, what would it be? Uh, I mean, right, the preacher's going to say he'd have the Bible. Lean over and tell somebody what you'd really have. Yeah, I would have the Bible. I really would. I really would. It's God's story. I'm going to be stuck on the desert island by myself. I'm going to need that. So, yeah, I would pick the Bible. Now, if you were to ask me what book of the Bible, like you could only make it with one book of the Bible, which one would you want? Um, for, I don't have a hard time picking that. I would pick Matthew. Um, it's got the story of Jesus, and it's got my favorite version of the story of Jesus. So I would do that. Now, suppose that we're falling off the ship here, and I could only tear out one page. Like, I only get one chapter of the Bible. Yeah, so I'm still not having a hard time, because I probably picked Matthew largely because it contains Matthew chapter 6. Uh, I love Matthew chapter 6. So that's good. Now, if we go to straight-up absurdity, like you could only have one verse of the Bible. <laughs> um, Okay, so I, I, would, I would pick Matthew 6.33. I'm not telling you that's the best verse in the whole Bible. That's, that's silliness. But it is the best verse of the Bible for me. All right. This is what I'd need every day on the island. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. He will give you everything you need. That's, that seems like a good desert island verse. Something I need to be reminded of every day. So by the end of this service, uh, Pastor Dan's going to have us going forward together, you know, into the future of our church. But uh, I want to take a few moments to look back. Um, look back. We are ending our One Life Financial Challenge officially uh, this morning. Now, if you're not done giving, neither am I. Those, that'll be open until March, so don't worry about that. But we'll be done talking about it today. Um, and uh, as I look back, I want to, let's go back to March. Let's go back to March, mid-March of 2020. <laughs> giggling already. Mid-March of 2020. So the elders were meeting over in the conference room. And, you know, we've been hearing some news, like there's this weird virus going around in China, and it's not clear, you know, it's hard to get accurate news from China, so we're not sure what that's, but, but the, the virus had made its way to Italy, and it was wreaking havoc there. And then, uh, we had just learned that night the virus had shown up in Portland, Oregon, home of all good ideas, and, um, and so we were like, it's just a matter of time till it arrives here. And so what do we want to do as a church? So we talked about it for a little bit, and we decided that we would stop taking the Lord's table for a few weeks till it could get all over with, and then on Easter Sunday, we'd do the Lord's table again. So that was our big COVID-19 plan before we knew it was called COVID-19. You know, we'll, we'll skip the Lord's table for about six weeks. So that was Wednesday. On Friday, the governor goes on, comes on TV and says all the schools are closed, all the businesses are closed, you're all closed, you know, stay home and stay safe, Missouri. That's what he said. And then every, you know, governor followed. We were like, oh, no. So that was Friday. Now, the next Friday, we were set to do our commitment event for our One Life Financial Challenge. So we had felt early in 2020 that God was calling us to raise over a million dollars for ministries uh, here in the church and for 11 ministries in our community and around the world. And we had done dinners and we had done games and we had done days of prayer and we had done all that. All that was left was to come on 
the Friday and, and, and make our pledges to, you know, see if we're answering God's call. And we had to cancel that. And you know what we thought? Who cares? Because we're all going to be dead in a month. <laughs> right? Remember when that was on the table? Like that first week, it was like, is this Stephen King's The Stand? Is this, you know, Brad Pitt's World War Z? We did not know. That was on the table. We're like, this is the very least of all of our worries. So um, it did not, you know, turn out to be the end of humanity. Within a few weeks, it became clear it, it was not going to be, you know, an extinction event. Now, it was very, very bad. Hundreds of millions of people uh, died, and many of you lost people. And, and I don't want to make light of that. But 99% of us uh, will survive it, the statistics say. So the virus could have had the properties of SARS. It could have had the properties of Ebola. It could have had the properties of something like HIV. It just didn't. And I think that is a great gift from God. We did not control that. We did not make that happen. It just didn't. And that's a great gift. And so it was not the end of the human race. Um, it thought we might be the end of democracy. You know, we kicked that around for some months, didn't we? It might be the end of America. I mean, everybody's all shut up. And then they're all getting feisty and burning cities down. And, you know, there's no economy going. And the government's just giving us money out of some magic box. We're all still waiting for the other shoe to drop on where'd that all come from. So, you know, we thought this could be the end of a, of a certain kind of society. And then after months, it started to seem like maybe that wasn't going to be it either. You know, the economy begin to wake up. Heck, I've been on a vacation since then. I mean, in fact, now the problem is even finding a job, is it? It's finding workers. Like the economy's so big now, we don't even have enough people to run it. So everything's you know, still closed half the time because there's just not people to, to work there. So, so I, that's a gift from God too. I mean, it could have been the second great depression. It, it just wasn't, and we didn't cause that, and, and no smart people made that happen. It, it just wasn't, and that's a gift from God, too. So it could have been the end of the church. I mean, church all shut up for months. It may surprise you to hear we don't have large cash reserves here. Um, in fact, I, I called the bank, or the bank called me once, and they said, you don't save any, you don't save enough money. Like the only money you have saved is like for air conditioners and carpets and things you're eventually going to spend. You don't just save raw cash. I'm like, we're a church. These people give money. They'd be very upset if they sacrificed it. And then we just put it in the bank. And the banker lady goes, I never thought of it that way. <laughs> like, yeah, you're right. If they give us money, we're going to spend it all. She's like, so if there's a tornado, like you just go and use that money. Yes, we do. That's what we do. So Yep. Okay. So anyways, um, that wasn't in my original message. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when you could come to church, you had to wear a mask. Not everybody was really wild with that. It was an election year. We never do a very good job at that. And so it just seemed like this could be the end of the church. Now, we knew it wouldn't be the end of like the church in the world because scripture says, this is my church and I have established it and the gates of hell will not come against it. But, you know, we know not, that doesn't apply to every individual congregation. But within just a few weeks, it seemed like maybe that wasn't going to happen either. 
Um, we have a benevolence fund here to take care of folks who may fall on hard times. And when that all erupted, uh, you all started giving. And that benevolence fund grew from 3000 which is normally what it sits at, to 20000 in a month. There's $20,000 sitting there in case anyone here lost their job, got reduced hours, couldn't pay for a bill, had a problem. I mean, you all did that. And God bless you for it. Um, it, um, it fulfills what Scripture says. There will be no poor among you. So those who were doing well made sure that those who weren't were taken care of. Surprisingly few people, though, in our congregation even needed it. Or you didn't ask. So over the last few years, we've been giving that out to other folks who are in greater need, other places in the world where there was need. And so you know, God bless you for that. Uh, 2020 has ended up being the largest year of giving and generosity we ever had before or since. So it was not, not the end of the church. But it might be the end of the financial challenge, right? Might be the, as many of these as we do, it would be normal for one of them to just tank really bad. And this would have been a great one to tank really bad because we could have said, oh, our financial challenges have gone great. One was really lousy. And, and which one? Well, the COVID one. Well, yeah. But God had a whole other plan. As soon as we canceled that commitment event, we we're all locked in our houses. 70% of you, 70% of you started giving to it anyway, without a pledge. We didn't know what was happening. Come May, you'd been giving for two months without a pledge. 70% of you had been giving two months without a pledge. Some of these ministries really fell on hard times. They're in really bad parts of the world, some of them. And we were able to say, well, we can't explain it either, but the Lord has provided. We do have the money. And so get your cleaning supplies and keep your doors open and go virtual and get your equipment, whatever you need to do. Keep doing your ministry. The Lord has provided. You continue to give through June, July, August. We started to think, maybe God does want us to go forward with this since everybody already did. So uh, August, we talked about it one more time, had a few more dinners, and then September gave our commitments, and, and, and everyone pledged uh, together $1.1 million. We only thought we were going to get 1.2. So 1.1, how exciting. And now I'm standing here telling you that I didn't look at the numbers today because I don't know how, but I... I, I, I <laughs> I would not be surprised to learn that we have hit, for the first time in any financial challenge, 100%. And that we'll probably exceed that by the time March 1st comes around. And that we'll probably be calling this ministry saying, we have more than we thought. So what else? What else? Uh, what other ministry are you doing? Because the Lord has provided. So this is how God is, right? I mean, we've read the scriptures. In, my, in your weakness, you know, my strength shines out. So on the one that should have failed, God says, okay, now you'll really see what I'm going to do. Let's make this the best one. Let's make this the strongest one. God really, really came through. We just wanted to survive. We just wanted to survive as a species. We just wanted to survive as a country. We just wanted to survive as a church. And God's like, I've got something for you way, way bigger than survival. Hold your cup out here. Hold your cup out here. I'm going to pour. It's running over, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, take that and share that. That's going to slosh a little bit because I really filled that one up full. He's so good to us. He is so good to us. Amen? Amen. This is a good day for Matthew chapter 6. 
Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So it's 2023. You and I have a whole new heap of problems that we're facing. But could we take today to celebrate and remember that God has delivered us from the greatest global calamity that anyone in our generation has ever faced? And he has made our cup overflow. And if he has been faithful in all those things over the last three years, maybe, maybe he'll be faithful in whatever it is you and I are facing here in 2023 as well. Amen. Somebody say praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Amen. So, Lord, if, um, if we take any credit for any of the money we raise or give away, the millions and millions of dollars we've done, may we repent for taking any credit that we would say we did this ourselves, that we would bring any sort of acknowledgement, fame, or glory and steal from you the fact that we would have never even picked up, uh, picked up anything that put our hand to the plow had it not been for you, Jesus. And we repent of even the, the notion that somehow it was our doing. Why would we ever do that? And so, God, we give you the glory, and we do praise you, and we sing hallelujah to you because of who you are and what you've turned us into. And that was never any of our doing. It comes from you. And now, Lord, we give back to you what was never ours in the first place. And may you look at us and say, well done, good and faithful stewards. You've done a good job with what I've given you. Enter into the joy of your master. And it is in the name of Jesus who showed us what life we're supposed to live and who we are. And it is that name of Jesus that we claim, not a name for ourselves. And all the people said, amen. Well, it's an interesting day because we close out one life and we begin then to set the stage for our next financial challenge, which is called Forward Together. Forward Together uh, was not just, uh, we labored hard over it for, well, since the beginning of the summer. We labored hard over coming up with a name. We wanted it to be biblical. We wanted it to be communal. Uh, we wanted it to have motion to it. And we had two and a half pages of names, and some of them were quite stupid. Uh, but um, we finally settled in on Forward Together because it's, we didn't want it to say, I am great, or you know, something stupid like that. We wanted to say it's about going someplace, and it's about us doing it together. Because uh, a while back, I read a, uh, a um, what do you call them, an, an opinion of a young lady who had quit a church, her church. I don't know why. I can't remember why she said she quit. I think, who knows? 
But, um, and she said, I can do this whole uh, Christian thing. She didn't stop being a Christian. She just left her church. She said, I can do this whole Christian thing on my own. I can do charity on my own. I can serve the poor on my own. I can do all that. And she went on to say, like, since I left that church, I haven't ever given away so much as a 15-ounce can of pumpkin pie filling. Nothing. So she said, so she said I'm going to go back to church just so I can do charity because I seem to not be able to do it on my own. I guess I need those people to turn me into the kind of person I think Jesus is going to turn me into. I look through um, the scriptures, and I look through, and I see the word good news. Luke's one of Luke, uh, Luke the, in the Gospel of Luke and in the Acts of the Apostles. Good news is over and over. It's one of his favorite phrases. And he takes it straight from the prophet Isaiah some seven, eight hundred years earlier. You know, good news. It is now the year of the Lord to proclaim good news. And then you look at what the good news is, and it's, it's setting the captives free. It's feeding. It's taking care of. It's giving clothes. It's giving a drink to someone. It's over and over what we would all today, what society would call social justice. I like to call it biblical justice because it was in the Bible first. Social justice wouldn't be around without the Bible, but I'm going to leave it at that. That's a whole other day. There's always biblical justice. The whole idea of any of this comes, comes from our Lord because people don't do it naturally. There's a red cross, you know, not a red sickle, if you know what I mean, or anything else like that. It's Jesus who's changed the world. It's the people of Jesus that have gathered together just like we do that changed the world. And that is not a moment for us to break our arm patting ourselves on the back. It is a moment to fall to your knees and say, I will obey and I will become the person you want me to be. Of course, the great result is, is joy. We think we get joy by gathering our stuff, you know, and buying junk and collecting junk and getting all the latest gadgets, you know, all those clothes you took to the thrift store. And yet, real joy comes in giving things away. That joy can't be taken from us. And, you know, we got into these financial challenges back in 2004 because we were portable and we needed a building and you're sitting in it right now. And so that means we got a mortgage, just like you got a mortgage for your house so you can raise a family. And um, nobody regrets getting a house to raise your family and we don't regret being in this building. That mortgage at some $40,000 a month back in the day, that mortgage turned us into a generous people because we became powerful Meaning that we thought, we, we said, we can gather money together and to, we can pull it together and give it away. Uh, that, this church, it changed back in 2005, 2004, back in those days. We became a force to be reckoned with. And it hasn't stopped and we haven't had a problem since. I mean, you know, like can't pay the mortgage and stuff like that. And so here we come to the next one, four together. And I'm just going to tell you right up front, mortgage, mortgage. Like we are, next month or so, we'll be just, we'll be under $800,000 left on this thing. And some sort of weird things going on where we're kind of like, 
we can lick this thing, no, no problem. You know, I don't know what happened there. I, I don't know, maybe that happens at home too when you get your mortgage down to some small amount and you think like, yeah, man, no problem. Knock that thing out. You guys, you're young, you're like, you really will get there someday. It's, it's a cool feeling, you know, we've done it. But um, I'll show you where we're going to go. So Alex, you got the photo? Alex, you got that photo of uh, One by One Jamaica? People like you and me, back in the hills of Jamaica, we're not talking Montego Bay and Ocho Rios, you know, where the cruise ship comes in. We're talking way back in uh, the mountains where uh, just last year a man died because he just simply didn't have an antibiotic that you and I can run down to Hy-Vee and Price Chopper and get any old day a week. Something that all of us probably still have sitting in a drawer at home in our bathroom. And he died. The simplest stuff. And who's going to be the hand of Jesus to people like that? Me and you. And moreover, I show you this picture because I want to see you and me standing there. Building 12 by 12 houses, if there's, which there aren't many left to be built because we've actually built houses for everybody in the valley. You know? So now they're working on a medical clinic. They built the church. We, one life, we helped contribute to one life and built them a church. They didn't have a church. And now they're moving on to medicine, raising the standard of living in an undeveloped place. That's the kind of stuff we do, you guys. This is who we are. This is who we're going to become. This is the good news. This is exactly what Scripture tells us to do. This is who we want to continue to become. Take your children on one of these trips. Invest the money. Turn them into people greater than yourself. Make them humanitarians. Turn them in to Christ followers, proclaimers, pilgrims, people who spread the good news. Because wouldn't it someday be a great thing that when you're old and decrepit, that your, your son or your daughter would come up to you and say, thank you for taking me on that trip. Maybe they won't remember. Maybe it'll just be in their DNA by then. And they'll just be generous people and lead nonprofits and be incredible human beings, better than you. Would not, that not be the dream of every parent? of every Christ follower. And so we'll do another financial challenge because together we can do far more than we would ever just do individually, even with all of our good intentions. And that's what we're going to pull ourselves together and we're going to go for it again over the next few weeks. We're going to set the course of the church again. And this one is different than the last one that we did and the one before that and the one before that. And we'll explain it to you at various vision dinners that are coming up and all the sort of thing that will go on, and everyone, we want you to get on a team and participate. I think you have to hear this thing over and over and over because your accountant and your bookkeeper and everybody's going to say, like, you are a fool to give away that much money. But Jesus doesn't think you're a fool. The man who hung on the cross and said, I'm doing this for you. He doesn't think you're a fool. He thinks, what's your life worth? What is it worth? 
Who do we want to be? And so we'll challenge ourselves again. And by the Lord's grace and mercy, we'll help people in this and a whole bunch of other things going on out there. And yeah, we'll continue to pay the mortgage so we can be right here again and be those people. That's what we're going to do, everyone. And it will change lives. Our own and everybody else's. And it's to that uh, Jesus that we call ourselves in this great ritual, this great symbol, this great sacrament called the Lord's table where we all come and eat off of one loaf, it's multiple pieces, and drink out of one cup, and it's several cups. And, that, and we're going to say, this one loaf, this one cup, this is the people that we are. This is who we belong to. It is to Jesus that we belong And when we eat of the loaf and we drink of the cup, we are owned by the Lord. And we say, that's who we are. And then we get sent out this week to be Jesus to everyone we run into. That's what the symbol, that's what the sacrament means. It's a symbol of belonging. Amen.